I think it's interesting. Pastor says many times, we'll get into the lesson in just a minute, but Pastor has said many times, words mean things, right? And I thought it was, uh, you know, at, at the very least interesting that he didn't choose, this is the year of outpouring, but he, he chose the word downpouring. And in my mind, Brother Josh, there's a distinction between an outpouring and a downpouring. An outpouring, you know, you have a container and, and you pour it out and perhaps another container and, or you pour it onto something. But there's a limited quantity. It's coming from something into something or onto something. But there, from where, usually when I think of a downpouring, of course, there's probably a limited quantity there. But I think of the, the sheets of rain that have draped over this city in the past when, when, the, when it rains. And that's what I think. When I say downpouring, I'm thinking of currents drip going through parking lots, you know, water uh, coursing down the sides of the, of the road. That's, when I think of downpouring, those are the, the images that come to my mind. And so I fully embrace and believe what Pastor has declared for this year. I'm not, I'm not just going to take this year lightly. I'm not going casually into the new year. I, uh, Brother Jaheem surprised me yesterday. He asked me this question. He said, do you have any goals for this year? And, uh, and typically, when I go into a new year, it's, I've done this for a number of years, probably, well, I know specifically since 2017, because this is where I picked it up, but um, I would choose a word for the year. And I hadn't quite nailed down the word for this year yet. And I shared with him what I felt like would be my, uh, my word for this year. But, I, but in that conversation, I was thinking about it and dealing with it. But I don't want to go into 2024 and just hope for the best. I want to be intentional. I want to be, be committed. Pastor has spent a number of weeks in the past year. Uh, from the very beginning, he started, kicked off the year on, in Sunday mornings teaching about um, your new life, talking to those who've received the gift of the Holy Ghost, and, and really just uh, gave us a good series of lessons on Christian living. We talked about commitment, talked about how to handle temptation, how to, how to, um, how to uh, talk about the power of prayer, talked about consecration and all these different things. What does it mean to live for God? And we've, we've learned just in this past year some very practical things that we can apply to our lives this year. And... Uh, and really, that's kind of what I want to talk about tonight. I'm, you know, it's, it's not going to be, uh, I'm going to do my best. Pastor, uh, if you can open your Bibles, you can open them to Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 26. Just one verse of scripture tonight. Pastor told me that this time is just as much a time of training for me as well. And so during this time, I have committed to learning potentially how to teach. And brother self, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean heavily on you to help me know when I'm teaching and when I'm preaching. <laughs> uh, I'm just picking on Brother Sell because I know he can bear it. But I, I, um, I really do. I, want to, I don't want to just get up here and s- scream. Uh, there's value in, in substance. There's value in, in truly understanding. We'll talk about a, this a little bit tonight. But I, I, I see in pastor's ministry how the, the years that I've spent under him, how he has so capably addressed questions in my mind with, uh, it seems like, ease, but, but it didn't come easily. It came from hours and, and days and weeks and months and, yeah, even years of study 
And so um, I'm committed to doing that myself, to, to understand God's word in a way that I can uh, convey it um, understandably. So, amen, let's give it a try tonight. How about that? Um, Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 26. It, we'll start with just one verse of scripture tonight as a text. And really, I want to, the first part of the scripture is kind of negative. Um, you can interpret it that way. And we're, the, the passage comes from um, the passage of scripture where Moses is declaring the, the judgments of curses from, on Mount Ebal. And the people of God are repeating and, and uh, calling that out. And so this is the list of curses. But I want you to notice what is said at the end of the scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 27 verse 26 says, Cursed be he that confirmeth not all the words of this law to them. Uh, confirmeth not all the words of this law to do them. And the very end, this last statement says, And all the people shall say amen. Everybody say all the people. All the people shall say amen. Amen. God bless the reading of his word to your heart. Why don't we just pray over the remainder of the service. Ask the Lord to touch my mind, my voice, my lips, and our ears together to hear and receive his word. Let's all pray together. God, we thank you for this opportunity to study your word. I pray that you would, God, give me the ability, God, to convey what you shared with me. Pray that I be able to do it. God, God. Receive it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You can be seated tonight. Amen. I don't know how this is going to turn out. I will give it my best. I do believe the Lord's given me direction for this service. And um, so if you'll help me, I believe that we will get somewhere tonight. Amen. It's common for preachers when they step behind the pulpit with all confidence, with all uh, energy to, to say, I'm not preaching for your response. And um, I have been guilty of saying the same thing uh, in recent times, probably. I don't really even know, but uh, I haven't gone back and listened. But I know I've said it in the past. And it's, you know, I've already quoted Pastor using this phrase already, but words do actually mean things. They, it's, it's important that when you say something that you mean what you're saying. And uh, say what you mean. And, um, and so when the preacher stands behind the pulpit and says, I'm not, I'm not preaching for your response. I'll give them uh, what's due to them. I, I believe that that is probably what they mean. Amen. But I can, and I can't speak for any of them. But what, who I can speak for is myself. And, and I do preach for a response. I, I really do. I'm not, you know, I don't, I, it's not necessarily the response immediately, uh, although sometimes I am looking for a verbal response or an audible response in the service as I'm preaching, amen, but uh, really what I'm preaching for 
is a response that most of the time I can't see. But it goes beyond the, the, beyond the time that the service ends. Normally on Tuesday night, we're out of here by 9 p.m. Since I'm preaching tonight, we'll probably be out here by 8.45, 8.30, depending on uh, how, long, how long-winded the announcements are. But um, I'm kidding. But, the, uh, but, but I, do, I am concerned about not, not necessarily, not necessarily only your response in this service, but really the response that, that takes a hold or, or your response uh, that, that you give beyond uh, 9 o'clock tonight. Maybe it requires a commitment from you and uh, changing your routine before you go to bed or your routine when you wake up in the morning or, or your, your, the way you conduct yourself during the day in between those times. But, but I am, I, I am, at least as a preacher, uh, when God gives me a word that I feel is from Him, I'm not preaching with the hopes that that you can uh, pat me on the back and say, "Well, that was a good message, Jared." But but what I am preaching for is a is a response that I that I think needs to happen based on my perspective, based on what I'm feeling, what I what I believe God is trying to say. Amen. Pastor Riggin has said in a previous message, "The power of preaching." God not only told the preachers what to preach, and God does do that. God does tell men to preach and he does inspire the thought and and the message that is to be conveyed to his people. Amen. Otherwise, what would be becoming, amen, to church for? Amen. Apostle Paul wrote that faith comes by hearing. And so God is interested in what is being said over this pulpit, yea, even tonight. And God has a message that he would like to convey if if I, as his servant, as God's servant, would be able, or or the man that is preaching, would be willing to consecrate himself in a way or or commit himself in a way that he would hear what God has to say. So God, not only to quote Pastor Riggin, not only told the preachers what to preach, but he told the congregation how to respond. God is not only interested. God is a is uh, is is incredible. He the way he considers things. Uh, the Bible tells us his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are much higher than our thoughts. He he is processing things at a level that well, certainly we could never even compare to. Amen. And and so while he's concerned about how the man of God is preaching and what he is preaching and and what is being said and the details, every every word matters. Amen. Not one jot or one tittle will ever pass away, and we will be held responsible, amen, as preachers to under, to, to ensure that we preach every word. But all the while, he's focused on how we respond to the word. What is the response? What is, how do we hear when pastor has gone so capably as we've already 
mentioned through these lessons on Christian living, how, uh, how we ought to pray and pray with specificity and, and also pray, uh, amen, with purpose and, and believe it when we're praying that, that it is not just going through the motions and that we're not just conducting, a, amen, a religious ceremony, but we are indeed communicating with the one who's able, amen, to answer. Hallelujah. When we hear, amen, how uh, even Christ himself was tempted, uh, amen, but because of the Holy Ghost, because of the Spirit that dwell within him, he had the power to overcome uh, those temptations. Hallelujah. Amen. All of these things that we have learned and heard, amen, over this pulpit. We have a responsibility. Even I, amen, one who fills this pulpit on occasion, amen, I, amen, perhaps even more so, amen, have a responsibility to respond, amen, to obey, amen, not just to understand and not just to agree, amen, but to do. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. In our text, we read a very specific word. Um, the word is common to us. It's an old word. Um, and perhaps the word is really only a transliteration. When I went and looked in the original, uh, the pronunciation is very similar to the way that we Use it today. And Deuteronomy 27 and 26 ends with that word. It said, it, the word is amen. Um, in the original, it's pronounced amen. That's about all of the original studying that you'll get from me. I can, I can, I can speak Hebrew. <laughs> uh, amen or amen. The word means, so be it. It's an expression of agreement that what the man is saying right now, that the, the de declaration that was made, when I follow up and respond with amen, that means I agree with what's being said. So be it. In other passages, the word may be translated as very, verily or truly, or in some cases, it's actually translated with the phrase, so be it. Our text comes from a passage of scripture that I already mentioned um, where Moses is giving these curses um, and the people of God are Acknowledging it and understanding it. Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 15 through 26. Let me just read this for you. I want you to notice what happens in each case. Cursed be the man that maketh any graven or molted image, an abomination unto the Lord, the work of the hands of the craftsmen, and putteth it in a secret place. And all the people shall answer and say, Amen. Cursed be he that setteth light by his father or his mother. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that removeth his neighbor's landmark, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that maketh the blind to wander out of the way, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that perverted the judgment of the stranger, fatherless, and widow, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that lieth with his father's wife, 
because he uncovereth his father's skirt. And all the people shall say, Amen. Amen. Cursed be he that lieth with any manner of beast, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that lieth with his sister, and the daughter of his father, or the daughter of his mother, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that lieth with his mother-in-law, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that smiteth his neighbor uh, secretly, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that taketh reward to slay an innocent person, and all the people shall say, Amen. And then the final one that we read as a text says, Cursed be he that confirmeth not all the words of this law to do them, and all the people shall say, Amen. It's interesting to note that in this passage of Scripture, the people of God are commanded to say amen 12 times. That's the exact same number as the number of tribes that are in the congregation. And my my thought here, and this is purely conjecture, my opinion, but I think the Lord is is making a statement even with that number, the, the number of repetition here, that, that he is looking for a collective amen, not from just this group over here or this family over here, but it is an amen that should be consistent across the congregation, that every family represented in the congregation, every tribe No matter where they came from, no matter what their background is like, no matter who they are like, no matter their personalities or differences, that they all would collectively with one voice cry out, Amen. So be it. I agree with this command. I agree with this curse. I understand it and I agree. Hallelujah. Amen. Let me just insert this simple point that perhaps you have already picked up on. Amen. But but I I want you to understand that when we come together as a church, Pastor talked about the importance of unity on Sunday uh, on Sunday evening whenever he was discussing. The, the, the sacrament of foot washing and how we must and collectively, how it brings together unity and that we must be submitted one to another. Amen. But, but, and I heard, amen, in this congregation as family member or brother and sister would together, amen, say, amen, pastor, preach it. We want unity. We want to see, amen, this church come together. We want to see, amen, revival at the truth church. Church. Amen. I heard your voices as they rang out in this sanctuary. Amen. And it was with the same purpose and cause. Amen. To see unity. Hallelujah. And it wasn't distinct. It wasn't one voice over here agreeing with this idea and another voice over here agreeing with another idea. But it was one message, one man, amen, preaching the truth, amen, expounding so we can understand. And all the people said amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Amen. I think too often, and I'm not blaming any individual here tonight. You take it, amen, how you will. Amen. But let me just uh, say this and we'll move on. Amen. I think many times uh, we create exceptions for ourselves and we say, well, that's that's how he believes or that's how he feels. Or that's, and, and it's obvious that he has uh, amen, conviction about it because uh, he says it with such passion, uh, such vigor. Amen. But uh, have you ever stopped to consider Amen. Whether or not this is the word of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Don't just, uh, amen, say amen. Amen. Because those that are beside you are saying amen. Don't just say amen. Amen. Because it's the trend. Amen. And there's pressure on you. Amen. But say amen because uh, you believe what's being said. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm here to tell you tonight. Amen. That if we together... Would, if we would bind together, amen, under all of the things that have been taught on, across this pulpit in years past. Amen. Pastor's been here almost 28 years. In April, it will be his 28th anniversary as the pastor of this church. And he has labored, amen, in my opinion, successfully in conveying what thus saith the word of the Lord. Amen. Has clearly laid out for this church, amen, a vision. And I want to hear, amen, every member of this congregation, amen, Bind together in one mind and one accord. Amen. Isn't that how it was poured out on the day of Pentecost? It was when they were all in one mind and one accord. When they collectively said, Jesus, I'll go to the upper room. Jesus, I'll obey what you've asked us to do. I'm going to wait for the promise until we're empowered. Amen. From on high. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I believe that's true. I believe that this church, I don't think, I, Brother Hall mentioned this the other night after we were doing foot washing and communion, and he made the statement, I don't think there's ever been a time, and he's been a part of this church before. Um, but he goes, I, but to his recollection, he doesn't feel like there's ever been a time where there's been more unity in this church. What, what, is, what a testament. To what the Lord has done. I've been a part of a church, uh, this one and, and others, but I've been a part, and, and it doesn't take much to do the math there. <laughs> so I ought to be careful about how I say things. But, but um, that, that have, that frankly, just, they struggled with unity. There's, there was always some contention. There's always some struggle. There's always uh, one opinion against another. There was always uh, these factions. Hallelujah. Amen, and, uh, and what a testament to hear from a man who has been in the ministry, is in the ministry, to testify to what he's seeing in this church. I'm grateful for, to be a part of the true church. I'm grateful to be unified with this church body, to be a part of what God is doing. Amen. The first time the word amen appeared in Scripture, um, came in judgment of a of a of a heinous crime done by a woman. Numbers chapter five, verse twenty-one. I'm not going to read the ch the charge, uh, but you can read it for yourself in Numbers chapter five. But listen to the judgment that is given, and listen to 
the response that is required. Then verse 21 says, Then the priests shall charge the woman with an oath of cursing. And the priest shall say unto the woman, The Lord make thee a curse and an oath among thy people. When the Lord doth make thy thigh to rot and thy belly to swell. And this water that causeth the curse shall go into thy bowels to make thy belly to swell and thy thigh to rot. And this is the first time the word amen appears in scripture. The Bible tells us, and the woman shall say amen, amen. Now, I, I want you to help me to consider with me what is transpiring in this passage. What, why does the Lord command the woman to agree with this judgment? Yea, this curse. Well, let me try to help you understand. I think two things are happening, and it's not anything profound. But I think, firstly, uh, that the people hearing the curse must acknowledge that they understand what the curse is and what the curse would bring to them. That they fully comprehend what is being said. The amen is not only an agreement. It is an agreement. But it always, it's also an acknowledgement that I know what you're saying, priest, I, pastor. I, I, I hear what you're saying. And not only do I hear and understand what you're saying, I accept it. And that's the second thing. When they declare amen, they are providing verbal agreement to what is being said. So the two things that are happening in this passage of Scripture, uh, when, when the woman is told that you will be cursed and your bowels will, uh, the, the water would go into your bowels and it will make your belly to swell and thy thigh to rot, the woman has to understand it and it ha they have to agree to it. Now, I'm not, I'm not submitting that, uh, that the curse is subject to her acceptance of the curse. I believe that the command of God is yea and amen. It, it does not require our agreement in order for it to be true. But he is, that's exactly right. He, his whole purpose in this passage is to ensure that, number one, not only is, is he instantiating the law, but he's also requiring that we understand the law and then that we agree to it. Um, Paul also seems to indicate that the usage of the word amen um, uh, shows us that is, is required to demonstrate understanding. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15, he says, What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. In this passage of Scripture, this is uh, where Paul is talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And, and uh, let me bring up the scripture here, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Let's back up to verse, verse 14. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. He's talking about understanding in this passage, specifically as it relates to uh, uh, speaking in an unknown tongue, 
regarding uh, the gifts of the Spirit. Amen. So in this context, trying to talk about how it's important that you understand. Don't just uh, speak in other tongues for, for, for speaking in other tongues' sake. It's important that, that it has a purpose and it has its place. And you can read the rest of 1 Corinthians to 14 to understand what he's saying there. But I want you to, uh, to read this with me as, as we observe what Paul says in this passage, verse 16. Uh, let's back up to verse 15 just to bring the context to our mind. What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit and I will sing with understanding also. Else... When thou shalt bless with the Spirit, in other words, thou shalt bless without understanding, how shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned say amen at thy giving of thanks, seeing he understandeth not what thou sayest? So what I, 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 I'm taking from this scripture is that, is that Paul is saying when you say amen, it's, it's not only saying so be it but it's also a statement of i understand what's being said amen so um and then so we could we don't have to read verse 17 um and then we, as I have already mentioned, the, the term is also, so, so we, we understand that the word amen indicates that, that, that we understand what's being said. And then additionally, it also indicates that we agree with what's being said. Um, and it's used many times uh, in scripture to, at, at the end of books, to conclude books, especially um, there, there are some psalms that are concluded with the word amen. There are some, uh, most of the epistles end with the word amen. Uh, all of the Pauline epistles end with the word amen. In fact, you know what? Uh, just a quick trivia question. Um, how many of you know which scriptures, or which books in the New Testament uh, do not end with the word amen? There's three of them. Book of Acts is one. Not Romans. James and uh, Third John. And yes, it caught me off guard too. If anybody had done that pop quiz on me, I would have failed miserably. But because I had the, the opportunity to study before service tonight, uh, I knew the answers. Woohoo. But good on you guys for knowing Acts. That was pretty good. And, and we're still living the book of Acts, but I wonder what that means for uh, James and Third John. Uh, as Pastor would say, and Jesus has said, go ye and learn what that meaneth. And when you do, this is what I'm saying, come back and tell me so I know what it means too. But um, as a, a few brief examples, Apostle Paul in Galatians verse, chapter 1, verse 1 through 5, we read uh, the introduction to the epistle to the Galatians. And then, um, and I'm not going to read all of this, but Sister... Kathy, we'll just skip to verse 5 in this passage. He ends the introduction, and he does this a number of times in other epistles, by saying, to whom be glory forever and ever, amen. So that's Galatians 1 and 5. And then he also ends the book of Galatians, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 18, by saying, brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, Amen. And then um, I mentioned that, that it's at the end of 
of individual sections, at the end of individual books. Um, it's, it's generally used to conclude a given topic. If, a, if a, an author is discussing some thought or some subject or trying to convey a specific point, when he gets to the end of what he's trying to say, he will say, amen. In other words, so be it. Kind of like we do when we finish our prayer. We, we end our prayer and, and we all say generally, in Jesus' name, amen. And that indicates to everybody listening, guess what? We're done praying. It's time to eat. Right? He does it in, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 through 21. It says, Now unto him that is ex- able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. In other words, so be it. And the reason why it typically ends at the end of books or at the end of chapters is because it is the end of their thought. It is the end. It's the, it's the, uh, the concluding remark that indicates I'm done with this subject. And the, the purpose, so, so why am I pointing that out? Why am I bringing this up? Because I think it's important that we understand um, that, that when we are finished, there there's a scriptural uh, pattern here that when, when we are finished, when, when a statement is made that, that we agree with, that we should sign on to it, that there should be uh, an agreement that says, so be it. I, I believe, I, I think that, that when the Apostle Paul was writing about God's uh, exceeding abundant power to, to do what we ask or think. And he ends that statement by saying, amen. He's saying, so be it. I'm not just saying this because it's uh, nice and frilly words to say. I'm saying it because I believe it, that, that this is truth and that it, is, that it will come to pass. And so um, the word amen indicates our, that we understand it indicates that we agree. Pastor Riggin has Pastor has mentioned this. Um, I've already made use of my access to his notes, and he he um, so some of this is directly this portion right here is directly from Pastor's what Pastor has talked about in the past in the power of preaching, and um, I remember him mentioning some of this other stuff that that I'm getting ready to relate to you um, in another passage. I couldn't find. Uh, the specific notes, so you'll have to forgive me. Some of this is from is from min- memory, Amen. But but as we discussed, have we as we've already discussed, it indicates understanding. It indicates agreement. And I've heard Pastor preach that that when we say Amen, it is like we're signing a, a contract. Yeah. Uh, it's like we're signing yeah. a a written agreement. And yeah. the Word of God, of course, is written. And so when we receive the word of God, we, we believe the word of God, and then we're ready to make a commitment. We shout amen. That's signing on. Pastor, I believe what you're saying. I'm, I'm going to join uh, in what you're saying, and I, I'm going to do it. And I've, I've had the privilege of working uh, in, in the corporate world for a number of years, and I understand the 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 gravity that contracts have, agreements have. General, and, and many of you s- certainly do as well, that when, when a, a contract is written up, that it has 
uh, obligations and mandates required of both parties, of at least two parties. It requires the one writing the contract, and it also requires the one to who, that, that is the, the signee on that contract, that, that, that there are stipulations, there are regulations within this agreement that both parties are required to, uh, to uphold. And what's the signatory for? Why is it that on the final page, after you have read everything, at the end, there's the signatures? It's the amen. It's, I, I'm putting my name beside this. I'm putting my reputation beside this. You can, you can uh, and it's, it's binding in a court of law. They honor this act. They honor this written agreement between two parties. More so than just a verbal agreement. They, they take this over any verbal agreements. And, they, and, and if, if you have in writing and, and somebody, uh, somebody contradicts what they have agreed to in writing, there's, it's very hard. It's very hard for you to get out of that agreement. There are people that try. They find loopholes. They get really expensive lawyers that, that, try, to, that, try, to, um, that try to help them finagle their way out of their written agreements. But the fact is, it is a process, and it's hard. It's difficult, and it's hard and difficult for a reason. It's attempting to bring us back to a day and age when our word was our bond. It's a, it's a process that helps us support something that, that when we say we're going to do what we will do, we will actually do it. That it is not just, a, that is not just cheap words, but rather these words are, as Brother Josh certainly can attest to, are really expensive. All right? And this is really where I'm, and I realize it's 8.30, and I'm almost done. But this is really where I want to draw this home. I, I titled this lesson, Applying the Amen. Because we shout amen in a service. And we do it in the passion of the moment. I have no doubt that we actually believe what we are agreeing to. I have no doubt that we actually uh, feel it and, and are, are uh, there, there's no question. And even beyond, as I mentioned earlier, beyond 9 o'clock, when the service is over, when the lights are out, when we go home, we fully intend to do what we said we were going to do. But I want to just bring up the contract tonight. And show you your name on the written, on, on the dotted line. I want to remind you of those lessons that have been taught in your ears and in your hearing. Laborers together. You remember that lesson? Commitment. Pastor taught four lessons on commitment last year. How to handle tempta temptation. He taught four lessons on the subject of growth, spiritual growth. And he taught on the power of prayer. He taught on holiness and separation. And he mentioned before he left that 
when he gets back, he'll, conclude, he'll continue that, those, that series. Amen. And I have heard and, and I bear witness tonight of your voices ringing out in this sanctuary in agreement, signing on to the contract. Amen. But, and it's good practice for us to acknowledge when we understand. And I believe that's what you do. It's, it's even essential that we cry out when we agree. Amen. But is that when the amen stops? I don't think so. If, if, if it is, in fact, a contract between ourselves and God, then we have an obligation not to pastor and not even to our own family and not to our friends or some business associate. But we have an obligation to the other one on the contract. That is why God told the people of God, if, if we actually believe in this enterprise of, 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 of this church on earth, of God's, uh, uh, God's kingdom here on earth, then we need to understand our part in what is going on. That when we cry out, amen, it is more than just a cheap word. Amen, it is more than just a amen, mental assent to what's going on. It is more than just an emotional response. But when we say amen, that we actually apply, amen, it makes a change to our life. Hallelujah. Amen. What is it that we say to those who are seeking salvation? Amen. Many believe that if they would confess with their mouth that it is sufficient for salvation. Amen. They use Romans chapter 10 verse 9 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. They, they, they say that, that it, is, uh, it is the mere confession of our mouth. Uh, amen. And that is all that is required when we believe. Uh, amen. But when we teach them in our Bible studies, we say, uh, amen, that, that, it, that belief in the heart is more than just a mere confession from our mouth. But it goes beyond confession. It goes beyond mere words. And it evolves and, and creates action. And it requires a response. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We tell them in John 7, 38 how Jesus said, He that believeth on me as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. There's a reaction. There's action. There's a response when you actually believe. If, if you tell me you believe, and I perhaps uh, uh, can imagine some of you telling amen, one of your sinner friends or, or your guests in your home for Bible study amen, this exact point, uh, but when you uh, tell me that you believe Jesus... And you... Don't obey what he asks. When Jesus says in Luke chapter 13, verse 3, I tell you, nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise 
perish. I believe in Jesus. I know that he's the son of God. I know that what he says is true. The natural response would be, well, then have you repented? Because Jesus preached repentance. Have you received the promise of the Father? Because that's what Jesus commands his disciples. We have taught this Bible study. We have shared this with others. Amen. If if you tell me that you believe him and yet you haven't obeyed him, then you, then we draw the conclusion that you don't really believe him. You don't actually believe it. You, you say you do. But as we all know, saying and doing are two totally different things. And that is my point tonight. If it's true for them, then it's also true for us. If it's true for the sinner, it is certainly true for the saint. How can we hold a sinner to a higher standard than we must hold for ourselves? If I shout, amen, I don't merely want to confess with my mouth. Yes, Lord, I believe you're speaking to me. Yes, Lord, I accept and understand your word. And then turn back and live the same way that I've always lived. Without making a change, without making any, any difference in my life. I'm telling you that you don't really believe if that's what's happening. Paul, the prophet tells us in Isaiah 29 verse 13, Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near, to me, near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, And their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. I'm closing. You can come up here. Jesus quoted this passage in his ministry in Matthew chapter 15, verse 8. This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth. Talking about the Pharisees. And honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. It is possible to confess with the mouth and not believe in the heart. It is possible. I am guilty of exactly that. Amen. If we could all stand together tonight. I I don't want to I I I really don't want to um necessarily I, I'm I'm struggling in my mind here. I, I don't want I don't want to end what I don't, want to, I don't want to hurt what God is trying to do in this service. But I also don't feel like necessarily want to open up these altars for, you know, a blubbery altar call. That's not what I'm looking for tonight. And please don't feel like I'm um, contradicting what I said earlier. I am interested in a response. But not necessarily just a response in this service. I don't feel like in my mind that that I will be able to accomplish anything special because of my ministry or anything like that. If anything happens, uh, it'll be God's grace that's helped us. 
We, we've had 28 years almost of, of, the, of class A preaching. I, can't, I cannot top that. There's no way. And I'm not even going to try. But I do believe that God is calling this church. I, I, I'm not just saying this. And you can begin to play if you want. I, I, I really do believe that God is calling us as a church to go beyond mere mention of the word. Mere confession of the mouth. If we can, in these first three months, apply, and I know this is a tall order, but apply everything we have learned. <clears throat> Pastor Riggin would come home to an amazing, and it's not that this church is not amazing. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But Pastor Riggin would come home to a church that is uh, on fire for God because those are the principles that he's taught. A church that is praying because those are the messages that he's preached. A church that is on fire for God. He will come into the deluge. So that, that, that's my message. That's my lesson. That I want us as a church, and I want myself, I want to apply all of the, I have, I have been so blessed by God's grace, the ministry that pastor has, and the influence that pastor has had on my life. And so have you. Let's do more than just shout amen. Let's put into practice everything that we have heard, everything that we believe. You are, I don't have to preach the message to you because you already believe it. I don't have to convince anybody because everybody in this room, amen, has full confidence in the ministry of Pastor Riggin. All I'm saying is let's do it. Let's go. Let's go on into, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Amen, I, let's go on into what God has promised us. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands to the Lord right now. Hallelujah. Jesus, I thank you for your faithfulness to us. Thank you, Lord, for the word that I have heard, God, so many times. The truth that has been laid out so clearly for me. I want to obey. I want to apply everything that I have received, Lord, and everything that I believe. Amen. Church, if you want to, I'll open these altars. Amen. But I don't want you to do it out of obligation. Amen. Only do it if you feel that you want to go beyond amen, mere mention of the word. Amen. Let's just talk to the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. I love you, Savior. Yes, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. From the bottom of my heart to the depths of my soul. Oh, that sounds beautiful. Yes, yes Lord. Completely, yes. My soul says yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. From the bottom of my heart. 
to the depths. 